Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of Truth Tidbits. We are in episode 51, and today I want to share a little bit about the branch, and we'll be looking at, excuse me, we'll be looking at Isaiah 11 and the first few verses of Isaiah chapter 11. I want to read Isaiah 11, 1 through 5 to you, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about it. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. I'm going to stop right there. The rest of the chapter talks about other things about what he will do. And I want to set this in context here. In this context, this is a prophetic word about the coming one, Jesus, the promised one. Isaiah began to prophesy about him in Isaiah 9. We saw that. We've seen some other passages. We've talked. There are many manifold prophetic words throughout the scripture about the coming Jesus Christ, the coming promised Messiah, who is Jesus the Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. And this is just one of those passages. But I want to break this down just a little bit and let us understand what's being said here. So he says here in verse 1, He talks about this rod from the stem of Jesse. In other words, it's going to be a descendant of Jesse. Now, who is Jesse? Well, you have to go back to the historical books, actually back into Joshua to find, you know, the, the start of that, so to speak. I mean, it actually goes all the way back to Seth and Adam and all of that, but but we can take it from, let's just take it from Joshua. Joshua, there was a spy, uh, two spies that Joshua sent in, and there was a woman that set those spies. She kept them, she preserved their life, she hid them, and there was a promise made to her that if she would put that scarlet thread in there and gather all from her family that would come, and if they were in her house when Joshua drew near and they had fought the battle of Jericho and the Lord gave them the victory that she and all of her house would be saved. So she did that. The victory came. Rahab was saved. And apparently Rahab and one of the Jewish men named Salmon, Salmon, Salmon married. And they had Boaz. Now, Boaz is a great testimony 
to the sincere truth of Rahab's conversion, she came into the faith of the living God of Israel. And Boaz is a living proof of that. She, she and Salmon raised Boaz, <clears throat> and Boaz actually became a type of Jesus Christ in the kinsman redeemer. And so then Boaz and Ruth marry. Well, Ruth has a son <coughs> named Obed. And then Obed has a son later named Jesse. And then Jesse has a son named David. <coughs> and then David has many sons. One of those was Nathan from Bathsheba. And Nathan became the ancestor of Mary from Nazareth, the mother of Jesus. David has another son named Solomon from Bathsheba. And Solomon <clears throat> becomes the ancestor of Joseph of Nazareth. And you can find those lineages and genealogies in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3 that will prove that. So, <clears throat> this stem, this rod from the stem of Jesse is in fact Jesus, and you can trace it down through the line. It's talking about a descendant of Jesse. Even Nazareth is important, though, in understanding Yeshua, because it says in verse 1 of chapter 11 here, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. That word is Netzer. <coughs> and it's the root for Nazareth, where exactly he was born. And, and it fulfills this prophecy perfectly because, <coughs> excuse me, because it says the branch shall grow out of his roots. Nazareth was Jesus' childhood hometown. <clears throat> After they came back from Egypt, they lived in Nazareth, and that is where Jesus grew up. It was <clears throat> perfectly, it was prophesied. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's another place that says that he was to be called a Nazarene. He was to be from the town of Nazareth because he was the Netzer, the branch that was growing from David's roots <coughs> and Jesse's roots. Praise God. Now, <coughs> that also prophetically tells us that he would be a child growing up, just like the branch would grow up and become strong. Jesus is the branch prophesied here. Now, this whole chapter speaks of him, but we're going to take it through verse 5 and look at these for a moment. <clears throat> In verse 2, it tells us this, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, <clears throat> the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. So, we're told here that this branch would have the Spirit of God resting upon him. Now, this lists seven elements, if you will, 
or attributes of the Spirit of the Lord. And in other places, it fits perfectly with the whole of Scripture. Because in John chapter 1, verse 29 through 34, we read about Jesus' baptism. John is an eyewitness. John the Baptist is an eyewitness to that. And that's how he knew who the Messiah was. Even though he was a cousin of the Messiah, God had told him that on whom you see the Spirit of the Lord resting and remaining on him, that's the one. That's my son. That's the Messiah. And so John witnessed that, and he records it for us, that the Spirit of the Lord remained on him. Why is that important? It's important because Isaiah prophesied of this coming branch, this Son of God, this Messiah that was coming. The branch is one of the names for him in the Old Testament. And Isaiah said, that this spirit of God was going to rest or remain upon him. It was going to settle on him. We're told here, these seven elements, or in other places, for instance, in Revelation, Revelation 4, 5, for, for one, it's called the seven spirits of God. Zechariah 3, verses 8 through 9 <coughs> And Zechariah 4.10 also identify this as the seven eyes or the seven eyes on the stone. And they're called the seven spirits of God. It's one spirit of the living God. It's called the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. But there is a sevenfold fullness to it. And that's the details here that Isaiah prophetically gives us. It is the spirit of the Lord. In other words, it's the Lord's spirit. It's not some demonic spirit or angelic spirit. It is the spirit that is the Lord's. It belongs to him. It's his. It's also the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to take knowledge and understanding and then apply it in a given situation. It's also the spirit of understanding. In other words, being able to comprehend and and understand what you are told, what you're reading, what God reveals. It's the spirit of counsel or advice and direction, that spirit of, of wisdom in the sense of giving advice. And it's a brilliance that will help guide and direct us. The spirit of might or the ability, the power. The spirit of knowledge, that's referring us to learning the truth, knowing the truth. How do you learn? How do you gain knowledge? You gain knowledge through study. Where is the truth found? The truth is found in the word of God. So this is speaking of knowledge of the scriptures, knowing the word, knowing truth in all areas. As a matter of fact, Jesus said when he prophesied about the coming of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, which occurred in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said that when the Spirit of God came upon them and came to them, that he will lead them into all truth. Why? Because he's the spirit of knowledge. He's the spirit of that truth. And 
it is also the spirit of the fear of the Lord. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God has an awe and a reverence. There's an awe and a reverence there. There's respect. And that includes humility. It's a spirit that is full of respect. Humility on our end in terms of us recognizing. That's what the fear of the Lord is all about. Is a humility and an awe and reverence for God. In other words, the Holy Spirit is just that. He is holy. He's not common. He's not profane. He is holy. <clears throat> and there's a, that's an element to that, that spirit of the Lord is that holiness that brings the awe and the reverence, the fear of the Lord. It goes on and it talks about Jesus as the branch. And it says his delight is in the fear of the Lord. In other words, Jesus delights in honoring and revering God. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Now, some of that we see playing out in the Gospels. We see it actually happening in his first coming. But the one thing that I want to point out to you also here in chapter 11, you see both his first and his second coming prophesied here. <clears throat> his first coming is in verse 1 through portions of 3 and 4 even for that matter. But from part of 4 onward, it also is prophetically speaking of Jesus' second coming when these things will be fully realized. They were not fully brought to pass in his first coming. Some were, some were not. For instance, he did make judgments. He did give verdicts in his first coming. He did make decisions in his first coming. He did judge the poor and decide for the meek of the earth in his first comings. There were examples of that. John chapter 8 with the adulterous woman is one example that comes to mind. Others, when the Pharisees tried to trick him and he had to, you know, for instance, judge on whether to pay taxes or not. Remember, they brought him the coin and they tried to trick him and he had to make a judgment call there. And so he said, you know, whose image is on it? Pay to him what, what he's due, but pay to God what God is due. So these are some areas where we can see this in operation. However, other areas of what Isaiah prophesies here in Isaiah 11 will come to pass at his second coming. So Isaiah, even in this one chapter, is speaking to us about his first and his second coming. For instance, in verse 4, Isaiah says, He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. That will come to fulfillment when he comes, and it's recorded for us in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 15. That's when that will take place and be fulfilled, is in Revelation 19. <clears throat> so that is taking us to his second coming. After he does that, then beginning with verse 6 and onward, we read details about the millennial kingdom, the messianic kingdom when he will establish his reign of peace in Jerusalem 
And it says the wolf will lie down, will dwell with the lamb. The leopard lie down with the young goat. There's, they're not going to be at war with each other anymore. They're not going to be trying to eat each other up and consider each other enemies. So you can go on and you can read that. That is referring to the millennial kingdom. The last point I want to make is to bring out verse 5. And in verse 5, it connects us with what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul defines for us the army, I mean the armor of the Lord, the armor that he has given us because we are in a battle. There is an enemy of our soul. And so God gives us a suit of armor and Paul lists that. One of the elements of that suit of armor that Paul lists is a belt, a loin belt around our waist to, um, to gird us up. And I've spoken a little bit about this in the past as well, but I just want to point it out here because it is speaking of Jesus here in the sense that he will have righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. And that correlates with our understanding of this belt that Paul speaks about in Ephesians chapter 6. This belt listed here, um, includes two items, two characteristics, but they tie together as one. Here it says, because this belt that Paul speaks about, the armor of God, it's, it's going to be correlating to the Lord's belt himself. I mean, it's from him. It's the belt of truth, Paul tells us, based upon the truth of the word of God. But also, as we've seen in a previous lesson, in a previous discussion, that it includes integrity. It includes a life of integrity. And we see that brought out here in verse 5 because it mentions righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. And when you couple those two together, the righteousness and the faithfulness, it really is speaking about a life of integrity to the truth. One that is true blue, so to speak. One that is real and sincere about the faith of the Lord and the faith and the standing for righteousness and truth in reality, in sincerity. And that's what it's talking about. There's no guile there. There's no deceit there. It's for real. And this person is true blue. So I just wanted to share these few um, verses with you today and hopefully help us to understand a little bit more about this promised branch, the branch that came through Jesse's roots, through Jesse's descendants from David and Solomon and Nathan. Nathan truly biologically, Solomon in terms of the legal heirship that that line brings him as to Joseph of Nazareth, the, the earthly father, the one that they considered to be the father of Jesus. However, Jesus was the son of the living God. He was this promised branch. And we are given details in Isaiah chapter 11. This is one of the many places that speak about it. And I love it how every detail lines up perfectly and is fulfilled perfectly. And therefore, that helps us to know that what is yet to be fulfilled at his second coming will match scripture perfectly to a T. 
and everything that the scriptures teach us and say to us, we can bank on it. There, God has a proven track record for accuracy. He never misses a beat. And there's not one dud seed in this book. Everyone is a living word and will come to pass exactly as God said. He said what he meant and he meant what he said and we can trust him. Oh, I pray this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus name.